Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. I trust you're having a week full of work that you love. You know, a lot of people are moving toward that. Yes, even in this economy, you can do that. You're going to be hearing from some stories from listeners today who have done just that. I love hearing the stories from people who are defying all the things we're hearing in the media, all the things we're hearing from the politicians. They're just simply getting out here and making something happen, doing work that they love. Well, I trust that you're in that group. You know, I was reviewing some of my old stories this week and I ran across one of my all-time favorites. It comes from Peanuts where Charlie Brown is complaining to Linus that every day his lunch is exactly the same. When Linus asks Charlie Brown, who makes your lunch? Charlie Brown says, I do. Well, you know, when it comes to the kind of lives we're living, most of us make our own lunch. So while there may be some comfort in sameness, if you want different results, you have to do something differently. So if you become a creature of habits, break some of your old habits, You may want to drive a different route to work, go to a new restaurant, visit a new church with your neighbor, donate your old uh, Christmas tie that you got 10 years ago to Goodwill, read a book on a new subject, and just, just break out of that predictable pattern. This is a great time to be doing things that are different as you explore new results that you want in the coming year. So if you're tired of eating a bologna sandwich every day, recognize you probably make your own lunch. What are you going to do differently? Stop blaming others immediately for uh, anything that's happened. I don't care if your boss backed over your Chevy Vega in the parking lot. Don't point any figures. Quit blaming. Don't think that circumstances are controlling you. Just decide you're going to put yourself in the driver's seat. Recognize that even obstacles or setbacks may be an opportunity in disguise Keep your dreams alive, even when others are shooting holes in them. Hey, those are the things we're going to be talking about in this segment of 48 Days Online Radio. Here are some of the questions that we're going to be addressing. Hi, Dan. What is your take on direct selling? I'm very discouraged. Am I just making excuses? You know, I'm going to spend a little time unpacking that. We got several questions that deal with selling. I mentioned selling often as a way to take the lid off your income possibilities And yet a lot of people have a hard time with selling. So we'll look at that a little bit. Dan, I think ghostwriting would be an excellent fit for me, but I'm not sure how to get started. Dan, I know I can do more, but I've been doing the same thing for so long. I don't know where to start. My passion is working with young adults, but I don't want to be a teacher. Dan, how do you organize all the magazine articles, books, excerpts, motivational audio, et cetera, that you've collected over the years? And then someone says, Dan, is someone with a pre-existing health condition just trapped in working for a big company forever? Great questions, as always. I love scanning through the questions that you all submit as listeners. If you got a question, you can go to the the podcast link on 48days.com website. Shoot your question in there. I'd be glad to introduce that in an upcoming segment. Well, let's look at some of the things that people are asking. Carol says, Dan, I'm involved in direct sales. I continually set goals and don't achieve them. 
I've been involved with this company for two years and feel as though I'm continually setting and resetting goals. I'm passionate about what I do, yet I feel stuck. Your thoughts. Let me add a couple more here because we've got a bunch of them that kind of fall in the same vein. John from Austin, Texas says, Dan, what's your take on direct sales? I've worked for a Kirby distributor for three weeks now. And then he goes on to talk about, he has 14 plus hour days, seven days straight with no days off. The Kirby distributor says to sell 15 Kirby's and beat the odds. You need to do 60 demos a month. One of four demos is then sold theoretically. He says my average is 40% because it's with uh, such a great cleaner, but still his closing ratio is at about 40%. But he says, I hate the 14 hour plus days, biting the elements, cold knocking doors to find those who want an appointment for a free carpet cleaning, then working three hours to do a demo. Most of my deals have led, made me less than a hundred dollars. Some of the sales only made me $10 if it's a substandard loan and so on and so forth. Okay. Now, how do you determine this? Do I believe in direct sales? Right. I think they're all, you know, no good. No, absolutely. I love direct selling. But there are some key elements that have to be in place. I mean, you don't just go out and take a job direct selling because anybody allow you to do that. They have nothing to lose. If you fall on your face, it's no skin off their teeth. You don't want a position like that. There ought to be just as much care at making sure you have a proper match if you're going to sell as if you're going to be CEO of IBM. I mean, there ought to be, you ought to know that you are a perfect fit for this. So one of the questions is, does the sales model fit you? Now we get a lot of questions about network marketing, that kind of selling, multi-level marketing, network marketing, that kind of direct selling. Well, the question is not, is it a great company or is it a great product? Even is, does that sales model fit you? And if you are somebody who's very outgoing, gregarious, social, you never met a stranger. You talk to people in the elevator, you know, when you're at the airport, you talk to 30 people before you get on your plane. Yeah. Chances are you'd be good in network marketing or multi-level marketing because you have that kind of personality where you talk to anybody. That's what it takes to be successful there. If you're shy and introverted, don't kid yourself. Don't listen to somebody trying to talk you into, you can make a million dollars doing that. It's never going to happen. You're going to be disappointed and frustrated and probably angry and resentful. It doesn't fit you. So does the sales model fit you? Now, if you're going to be in direct sales, like this gentleman is talking about here, like John is talking about selling Kirby vacuum cleaners on the personality style. Now we talk about the disc model a lot here at 48 days. A lot of you have taken that profile. It's one of our, well, it's the hottest selling product that we have. People taking the personality profile to figure out how are you wired? This looks at behavior, doesn't look at aptitude or intelligence or ability. It looks at behavior. How do you relate best to other people? What kind of environments do you work best in? How do you sell, manage, persuade, and so on? So you get a better fit in terms of your personality style. If you're going to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners, you better be off the scale in D. Somebody who's dominant, aggressive, bold, opinionated, in your face, confrontation is no problem. Somebody who can knock on five doors, they all say, get out of my yard before I get my shotgun. And you think, well, geez, you're an idiot. And you just go next, you go to the next door and knock on it. You got to have that kind of thick skin 
But you really need to have that kind of personality style, high in D, if you're going to do that kind of direct selling. So that's the first question. Does a selling model fit you? It doesn't mean that you can't be involved in selling. You may go from Kirby vacuum sales where you made $100 a week working 14 plus hours a day and go work in the men's department at Nordstrom's and make $1,000 a week because it's a better fit for you in terms of the style there. Or you may become a representative for 20 different shoe companies and you call then on shoe store managers. So you see the same guys or gals this week that you saw last week, you know, when they're going on vacation, how big the fish is, they call last year. It's very relationship oriented. That's a very different kind of selling. You may do selling where you run little ads in the back of the USA profile. That's an insert in the Sunday uh, Sunday newspaper. So you have these little ads in there and it says you send in 1999 and you'll get a bird feeder. You send in $29. We'll send you two of them. If you're doing that kind of selling, you never see or talk to the customer, but you test what kind of sales copy gets response. What kind of price point gets best response. It's a very methodical kind of selling that somebody who is high in S and C could do very well. So you have to look at, is this sales model a good fit for you? Now, the other thing then beyond that, you have to ask it, does this business model make sense? I mean, if you're knocking on doors, how receptive are people today to getting a knock on the door at seven o'clock in the evening? I mean, what kind of a, what kind of a group does that put you in immediately? I mean, it's just a very old model. It's not a very common model for selling anymore. And I think it's really, really tough. I think you're going to have to knock on a whole lot of doors to get people who are willing to allow you to come in. I would never do that. I mean, I like to be sold too. Incidentally, I like to deal with salespeople, but I just, I, I know that I am not going to set myself up for a two to three hour demonstration in the home for anything. Zero, not going to happen. And, and if that's what you're doing, man, I commend you on being out here hitting the streets. I may, you know, offer you a cup of coffee, but I am not going to allow you to come into my home and do a presentation like that. I just know what's involved. I'm too time conscious. I'm not going to give up that much time. How much credibility do door-to-door salespeople have today? I mean, you, you are put into a category, a broad swipe perhaps, and perhaps unfair, but door-to-door salespeople for the most part really don't have a lot of credibility. I had a couple of gals stop by my office back here at the sanctuary just this week. They just stopped by. They had stopped at one of the neighbors and the idiot put them on to me. They said, Oh, you go need to go see Dan Miller. <laughs> so anyway, they did Well, they were selling books and it was like the, well, if you don't need the books, I mean, here they come to an author. I got books stacked to the ceiling in my office. They're going to sell me books. And they, well, if you don't need books, then you can just donate them to needy children. I said, well, that's cool. Sure. I'll do that. Well, they, then they pulled it out. The books range from $46 to $86. I said, this isn't even realistic. I mean, you just ruined your credibility because it doesn't even make sense. I mean, obviously all you're doing is asking for a donation. No, there are too many things that we donate to already where we know what the organization is all about. Sorry, you know, you're two cute young girls, but no, I'm not going to participate. And I gave them about three minutes to go through that scenario and on and on. That's a tough way to go today. Now, when you're, when you're selling curvy vacuum cleaners, I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, you really have to look at it. And most people are knowledgeable enough about this to know that most of the money made on selling a Kirby today is made through the financing offered. 
So you don't have to pay much, but then you're going to be paying, you know, the rest of your stinking life. And it's not like 60% interest. I mean, wow. I mean, that's not something that intelligent people are going to submit themselves to. If they can't write a check, you know, if they want it, then write a check. That's fine. But most of the time you're looking for customers who are going to finance it because that's where you really make more money and you're overcharging people dramatically. And then, I mean, what's the competition for vacuum cleaners today? Do most people want a vacuum cleaner that, you know, is going to clean the carpets and uh, clean the drapes as well. It's going to shampoo the dog, suck the chrome off the rear bumper on your 57 Chevy and shear a sheep without using clippers. I mean, Mike, it's overkill. For most people, it's like selling them a Hummer when what they really need is a bicycle. Now, it's also when you're going to work for a company, no matter who it is, and I'm not just picking on Kirby, no matter who it is, do a Google search. I mean, a brief Google search is going to show you there have been a whole lot of complaints about this company. I mean, a couple of years ago, Primetime uh, did a hidden camera investigation uh, because they had responded to more, more than a thousand complaints regarding Kirby salespeople. What happens is the company kind of takes a hands-off approach and says, well, those guys are just independent contractors. We can't take responsibility for what they do. And yet they are hammering you in the morning, you know, get your butt out there and work 14 hours. And if you don't make four presentations, you're a lazy idiot. Well, you know, that kind of what goes around comes around, but there's a whole lot of unhappy people out there and people who felt pressured, people who didn't have the guts to say no at the end of a three hour presentation, and then they want to unwind it. And there are state attorney generals that are helping people get refunds for products that they purchased under those kind of selling scenarios. So I think you're right to be discouraged. I mean, I don't need to, you know, go, go on with that. Do I believe in direct selling? Absolutely. Again, I love direct selling. Selling does take the ceiling off your income potential. But keep in mind, selling in its purest form. Now, this is really important, and I want you to hear this because we're all selling something. Believe me, I don't care if you work at Walmart and you're the greeter. You need to sell yourself to maintain that job every single day. If you don't think you're in selling, you're kidding yourself. We're all selling something. If you're a teacher, a mom, a pastor, you're selling. We all are. So be realistic about it. But selling in its purest form is simply sharing enthusiasm. You have to believe in something so much you would want your mother to purchase one. I mean, the the guy next door that you're going to see every day for the next five years, uh, the guy you just met at church. And if you avoid these people and only want to sell to people you don't know or people you don't have a personal relationship with, eh, red flag, something's wrong. I mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes even knowing God's will comes down to having a sense of peace about what you're doing without that take another look at your best options. If you don't have peace about this, trust your lack of peace in terms of encouraging you to look at some other options. Well, I got a little carried away on that. I apologize, but uh, that that's an important one. And I appreciate your questions about that. You know, here's another, let me get another one here that kind of relates to selling. Then we're going to move into some other areas. Joey, from Raleigh, North Carolina says, Dan, thanks for all the great information you present to us week after week. I've been listening to you talk about sales jobs and how they offer better opportunities for those who concede in this field. I haven't done sales work in the past, but I love the possibility 
of having limitless income. I currently work as a tech support supervisor and I'm paid a rather low fixed salary. Are there any resources you recommend to help me get started in sales? Also, since I enjoy working in the computer science technology fields, are there any particular sales paths you would suggest? Well, I mean, I think you, you, you learn how to sell. Well, don't get caught up in this garbage. You know, somebody's just a natural born salesperson. Well, they may have some personal tendencies that make them a candidate, but nobody becomes really great just by waltzing into it every morning. People learn how to sell with excellence and you, you can do that. And I commend you on wanting to do that. And you can do that. I mean, in 30 days, you can be really good in selling and know how to sell effectively and how to take that lid off your income. Here's some resources I would suggest for you. Secrets of Closing the Sale by Zig Ziglar. It's an old classic, but it covers the basic relationship selling model better than anything I've ever found. If you want to listen to it, listen to an audio, something, get the psychology of selling by Brian Tracy. He really helps you understand how it is a fit for you in the way that I just described. Also uh, at 48days.net, our social networking group, you know, we got over 10,000 people there now that are sharing ideas, growing businesses together, uh, get involved there in the relationship sales one-on-one group that's headed up by my buddy Pierce Mars. Pierce is a great example of somebody who sells with class and excellence. He leads that group and there are a whole lot of people in that group who are sharing ideas about how to sell more effectively. So do those things. And yes, you can be successful in selling. I love selling. I mean, I I love all forms of selling. And again, I love to be sold too. That may sound strange, but I really do. I appreciate somebody who has taken the time to learn how to sell effectively and is trying to sell me. I'm not easily swayed, but at the same time, you know, I, I, right now I, I'm in the process of getting a new roof on the sanctuary here, the barn that I work out of. I've had three companies come out. I love them trying to convince me that what they're proposing is the best deal. I mean, that's not a antagonistic win lose kind of thing. If I decide to go with somebody, it's because I like them personally and I like what they have told me. I've liked how they've convinced me that what they're doing is really going to be the best work. I mean, I, I enjoy that process. Well, let me move on. Hey, again, this is Dan Miller in the 48 days online radio show. If you've got a question, you can go to the 48 days.com website and just click on the podcast link. You can shoot your question in there for me. This is Dave Ramsey, and you're listening to I Love My Work with my friend Dan Miller. You know, you find the work you love, and you're on your way to financial peace. Well, here comes a question from Celeste who says, Dan, I feel so inspired by your teaching. I'm a person who finds passion very easily. If I begin any new project, I'm very enthusiastic and work with great creativity and efficiency to get the job done. Over the years, though, I've thought about several businesses and became very passionate only to have the passion fizzle out. Odd, I know, but it seems that when I'm working for an employer, I'm very productive. But when working for myself, I often become discouraged and want to move on to another inspiring idea. For example, I've been working on an antiques business with great tenacity 
and I'll be featured in a national magazine in February, but I can't muster the energy to gather inventory and make a website in preparation for what could be a giant explosion of sales. Any advice? Well, Celeste, let me just uh, cut to the chase here. I'm going to have to ask you, are you sabotaging your opportunities for your greatest success? I mean, sometimes I fear this, I fear we sabotage our own success because the familiarity of the known is more comfortable than the uncertainty of the unknown possibilities. I mean, so you have to look at, I mean, and this is not uncommon incidentally, believe me, this is really common. I mean, I've had to deal with my own fear of success being raised in poverty and believing that money is evil and very dangerous and all that. I had to get over some major emotional and psychological hurdles myself to be able to handle success. And I see that happen again and again and again, where somebody gets really close to it and they just simply sabotage it. So you have to ask yourself, can you handle success? I'll tell you, I want to give you a couple of resources to help you here because I think you're really close and I don't want to see you walk away from this. I, I think you've got everything in place and I, you need to be able to dissect this and figure out what is keeping you from walking over that line to just opening the floodgates of the success that you seem to be so close to. I'm going to send you Celeste. I'm going to send you a link for how to increase your self-confidence. And I also want to give you a copy of no more dreaded Mondays. I'll, connect with you via your email here. We'll get those things on their way to you. How to increase your self-confidence and no more dreaded Mondays. Cause I think you again are really close. You're right on the path there. You're right at the door of walking through what could unleash a whole new level of success for you. Well, Brian from Hopedale, Massachusetts says, I have two great ideas for money making websites. One has to do with genealogy. The other centers around online training. Both are what I believe to be novel approaches to the industries. I'd love to invest some time and resources into one of them, but I'm afraid I'll get it going only to be sued by somebody for infringing on some obscure software patent. Do I have to have everything planned out first? So I can do a patent search to make sure my plan doesn't infringe. How do other people do it? You know, Brian, with what you're describing, you know, doing something with genealogy or online training, I don't really understand why you're starting with this negative expectation. I mean, I don't understand it again. uh, Ask yourself, are you looking for an excuse not to do this? I mean, I don't think that's a realistic approach at all to think that you're going to do something. I mean, if, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be that you would be doing that was going to infringe on somebody else's patent or software idea. I mean, do a little search if you want to, I mean, go to USPTO.gov. That's the United States patent trademark office. Do a, a search there for things that kind of relate to what you're doing. But, and this is not a big issue with the issues that you are describing here the chances of you violating the patent with either of your ideas you're suggesting here is extremely remote just create a plan get in the game don't talk yourself out of doing something great by going to the yes buts too quickly and often that's just kind of a tag along with a personality style if you are a high sc on the disc personality profile that means that you look for things that are the fatal flaw. You might be a good bookkeeper, 
accountant, attorney, architect, draftsman, airline pilot. You know, the kind of things where we want precision, but those also bring with them, those characteristics bring with them the potential to figure out why something won't work before you even try it. And thus, nothing ever is really tried. I'm saying, get in the game. If there's going to be a potential flaw or a violation of somebody's patent, it'll show up. But don't let that stop you from starting. I mean, you, you can talk yourself out of doing every single thing. And there are times when I work with clients, coaching clients, where because of what I see in their personality style, I ask them about that in advance. I say, my fear is that when we get down where we have actually shaped what the best options for you, you're going to figure out why something won't work every single time we approach a new idea. And if so, you know, I, I really don't want to spend the time or have you spend the money working together. I don't want to get to that point. If that's such a strong personality characteristic with you, you've seen it in action over and over and over again. If that's true, then let's not go down this path together at all. Well, great questions. Thanks for submitting that. Again, you're listening to Dan Meller on the 48 Days online radio show. I, I love getting the questions from you, the listeners that we cover here each and every 48 Days online radio show. You can just go to the 48days.com site and give us your question there. Well, Sarah says, Dan, I'd like to be a ghostwriter. As a technical writer, I've written over 40 manuals. I also had one book published by Lark Books. I think ghostwriting would be an excellent fit for me, but I'm not sure how to get started. I searched on 48days.net, only found people recommending cheap ghostwriters as sources for $2 articles for their websites, which I found rather discouraging. I'm more interested in the Ken Abraham type of ghostwriting. You mentioned it briefly when I was there for the Right to the Bank event. You could, could you say more about how to get started? Thanks for all you do. Cheers from Montana. Well, thanks, Sarah. Good to hear from you again. Sarah was at one of our right to the bank conferences. We have three of those scheduled for 012. The dates are up on our site at 48days.com. Those are where we take people who want to turn writing into an income stream and show them how to do exactly that. I don't teach the elements of writing in terms of grammar, syntax, punctuation. Nope, nope, nope. Don't spend time that you can learn that on your own. And hopefully you have already done that. But if you really want to figure out how to make a whole lot of money with your writing, that's what I focus on, how to market what you're doing, how to sell what you're doing, how to become a best selling author with the emphasis on being selling. You don't have to be a best writing author to make a whole lot of money, but you need to be a best selling author. Now back to Sarah's question. If you want to be a ghostwriter, yeah, you can find opportunities to just, write content where you're paid, you know, $3 an hour for your efforts. But a ghostwriter, especially like Ken Abraham, Ken is in my Monday or Wednesday morning group. Saw Ken this morning. He was talking about the nine projects he has in the queue right now. Nine projects. Ken is really at the top of his game as a ghostwriter, has written books like Let's Roll with Lisa Beamer, you know, the 9-11 when Todd Beamer went down and Let's Roll, that book became an, a New York Times bestseller. He wrote Chuck Norris's book, Against All Odds, uh, Bob Dole, One Soldier Story, uh, Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now. I mean, those are all books that Ken Abraham wrote. He's a very, a, a very highly successful ghostwriter at the top of his game and gets top dollar for that. 
What you need to do if you want to be a ghostwriter is look for people who want to have their story written, who have the potential to pay to have that done, but they don't have the time or the ability perhaps to write as you do. So that's going to include celebrities, I mean, sales trainers, speakers, pastors, entrepreneurs. I mean, all of those people are candidates for having somebody ghostwrite. Now, ghostwriters are going to get for their efforts. I mean, I've got one lady that I refer a lot of people to right now, and she ghostwrites small startup books, and she usually gets about $5,000 for that. But, I mean, she can do a couple of those a month, so she figures, you know, that works well for her to do that. And when you move into a higher category, it's going to be like twenty-five to $50,000. And then when you move up into Ken Abraham's league, it's way, way more than that to have somebody write. But if you are a, a high level celebrity and you want to have a book that's done really well, then to fork out a couple hundred thousand dollars to have that done, it may be even just a small percentage of the advance that you're getting from a book publisher. So you connect with somebody like that who can get a book deal, somebody who's got a big enough name that they know they're going to sell a lot of copies. I mean, you get a Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Clinton, excuse me, who's going to get a book deal with a big, big advance. Well, if you are a ghostwriter for her, you can expect to be paid very, very well. Now I see, uh, Sarah, that you're a member of the 48 days.net community. You belong to the photography and the artist groups. Get in the write it forward group. I mean, that's where all the writers have congregated. Ask for their advice there as well. Well, Jay from New York says, like many of your readers, listeners, I'm stuck in a rut. Now listen to this. This is a really poignant kind of question that Jay has laid out here. And I know it identifies where a whole lot of you listening see yourselves as well. Jay says, like many of your listeners, Dan, I'm stuck in a rut. My employer is rearranging schedules and cutting back on pay. I feel I'm earning less than almost anyone I know outside of my job, and that's about to be cut back. I know I can do more, but I've been doing the same thing for so long I don't know where to start or what skills I have that are transferable. I don't even know what my passions are. I have many interests that I get fired up about for a time and then it fizzles out. How can I figure out what my true calling is? I don't want to do anything hasty, but I hope to change jobs before these changes are implemented. Thanks for all you do, Jay. Well, Jay, you describe being in a very, very vulnerable place. Now, here's why. If you don't have a clear sense of what your skills are, then it would have to be assumed you've let yourself fall into a position where you're doing what a robot could do. And if that's true, then a robot may in fact be doing what you're doing in the very near future. You have got to figure out what your unique areas of competence are. What are you passionate about? What do you do with excellence? And as you do that, as you identify what your strongest talents are, what your skills are, what your passions are, what your calling is, two things are going to happen immediately. Number one, your employer is going to take notice and see you in a new light. And as it is, again, you may very well be a cost they're looking to eliminate. But if you get really clear on what it is you do well, and this is absolutely critical. If you've been in a job for 20 years, if you've let yourself just kind of drift into just showing up, punching the clock and, and doing your job, you are very vulnerable. You're very expendable. 
you have to at any time realize this goes back to selling that we talked about a little bit earlier. You have to realize you show up every day. You're being interviewed every single day you show up. If you show up tomorrow and you would not interview well to keep the job that you have now, you're highly at risk for being replaced. You need to see it in that way that every day you're interviewing to keep your job, not just the day you got it. And then you kind of hang up your hat and don't have any worries. No, you're interviewing in today's environment every single day. So the two things that are going to happen, if you get a fresh look and understanding of what your most marketable skills are, what your passions are, what it is you do really, really well, perhaps better than anybody else. Number one, your employer is going to take notice. See you in a new light. Number two, you'll recognize your marketability and employability. Then if you recognize you're underemployed or undercompensated, all you have to do is do a job search with your head held high. You'll find out real quickly what your true value is. Now, all your questions here about this, understanding your calling, your purpose, your mission, your passion, your talents, your skills and abilities, your personality traits, all those things relate directly to the message in 48 days, 48 days to the work you love. Now, I don't know if you've got a copy of that, but I'm going to send you a fresh copy. You you need a fresh copy. You need to go back through again. I updated that not too long ago. So you need to go back through that again. I'm going to send you a fresh copy of 48 days to the work you love, Jay. And I trust that if you read it, it'll help you address the very questions you're asking here. Well, this is Dan Miller. You're listening to the 48 Days Online Radio Show, where each week I take some of the questions submitted by you, the listeners and readers, people who are involved in 48days.net community, people who get my newsletter, my blog, listen to the podcast here, other sources that we've got for information to help you figure out what it is that you were born to do, what it is that you can do with passion. I just read Blake McCuskey's new book, Start something that matters. Now, this is not just a plug for the book, but I'll do that too, because I think the book is a great read. Blake started the company Tom's Shoes. He didn't have a background in the fashion industry, in the shoe industry, nothing. He just saw a need and thought, how can I address the need of these little kids in Argentina running around without shoes and getting diseases up through the soles of their feet? We thought, what if I started a company where every time somebody bought a pair of shoes, we would give a pair to a child in need? Well, everybody in the industry said it can't be done. We don't have those kind of margins. Well, he ignored industry experts and just did it anyway, and it's been extremely successful. But he says, Blake says, well, here's what you need to do. Figure out what you're passionate about. Figure out how you can engage that passion in a worthy cause And then figure out how you can be paid and be paid well in doing it. It doesn't need to be a compromise. You don't need to choose one or three. You choose all three. How can you do all of those? And that's exactly what he's done with Tom Shoes, which is not a a nonprofit organization. He didn't mess with that garbage. He just made it a regular business and made it successful enough that he's compensated well. Employees are paid well. People get products that they're ravenous fans about. I mean, just this morning, Dave Foster in our Wednesday morning group was talking about his daughters are, are rabid fans of Tom's shoes. I mean, how cool is that? So you're not pushing off some substandard product that people just feel sorry for you and want to help contribute because you're doing a worthy cause. No, do something with so much excellence. People want the product, rave about it in and of itself, even though part of the benefits for being involved with the company do do good things 
around the world. You can do well while you're doing good, and there doesn't have to be a compromise in that. Where was I? Let me go back to my questions here. All right, this comes and lady wants to protect her name because she doesn't want to rock the boat where she is now. Thanks for your podcast. As a new member of 48days.net, I look forward to participating. My goal for 2012 is to go totally freelance with the hope of writing more, selling my knowledge, possibly in the form of a book and downloadable material through my own future website. Now she gives some details here that I won't go into, but she's in a very uh, specific industry where she's already had front cover, front, front cover, promotion for articles that she's written. And then she says, I'll see a publisher in a couple of weeks. They've expressed interest in having me write a book. What questions should I ask? What pitfalls should I be aware of as I pursue this possibility? Well, here's what you need to do. What a great position to be in where you're already getting noticed for your writing. You've already uh, written articles that have been on front page promotion in national magazines and now a publisher wants to talk to you. You're in a great position. Just recognize the wide variety of possibilities in working with a publisher. I mean, you could just get a fee for writing your story, you know, writing the book, end of story, you know, just get a fee. I mean, there's a lot of people to do that. It's just paid for work. You could get an advance and then a share of the royalties with you helping to promote sales. Now that's what you normally hear about and think about that comes to mind, the kind of deal that most people get. I mean, I've had deals like that. You get an advance and then you get a share of royalties in the back end and that can go on for a long time. And hopefully it does. You could get no advance, but perhaps get a bigger share of the royalties. That's become a more, a more common formula where there's no advance. So a publisher is not taking a big risk, but they go ahead and publish it. Then if it really does well, they profit and you profit as well. Not an unrealistic approach at all. You could choose to self-publish and just promote and sell the book yourself. And that being enhanced means selling your book, then enhanced with your continued magazine articles, speaking, teaching, consulting that you're already doing. So none of these scenarios is the right answer. They're all just possibilities to be explored. So there's no real pitfall that you need to be aware of before talking to a publisher. Just get in there and talk to them. See that as part of your own educational process, explore what the possibilities are, go cautiously before you sign off on a contract. Sure. At that point, you want to have some other people look at it with you to help you understand exactly what the implications are way down the road. There's a whole lot of people that had fine print in those lengthy, lengthy contracts that publishers like to spring on us where they wish they hadn't signed that. And you hear all the time about people wanting to get out of contracts, whether it's writing or music or whatever. So explore those. But again, don't be afraid of that. I mean, there's a lot of good people out there to partner with who, where they are, have connections that you would take you a lifetime to establish. I mean, I've had books in Costco and Sam's club and, you know, with through book clubs and things that I would have never been able to, find or negotiate or have the credibility for on my own, but a major publisher was able to do that. So I value those connections. At the same time, I've done a whole lot of things where we have just promoted it on our own self-published right here and just um, taking care of it ourselves. Either way, hey, this is one of the things you're going to be singing. Yeah, this is a song you'll be singing when you write, even if you work with a publisher, and that's okay. Publishers don't are not a magic pill. This is still part of the process. Just get in there and work hard for the money like all of us do in writing do.
Well, Travis from Medina, Ohio says, I have an MBA, financial licenses, nine years of experience in the banking industry. I've been successful and have gained valuable knowledge in the areas of leadership, coaching, management, sales, business, banking, and finances. However, this is a career that I stumbled on out of college that I've never loved. My passion is working with young adults, but I don't want to be a teacher. I'm in the process of starting a coaching service for college students to help them learn things that are not taught in school, goal setting, self-discovery, self-discipline, accountability, communication skills, leadership, balance, and much more. Wow. What a hot potato you have tapped on here. And you are exactly right. I can, I figure I can sell my coaching services, host seminars and sell a number of items online. Do you think this is a sustainable business idea? How do you start something like this and obtain clients? Thanks for the input. Travis, Travis, you are, you are on top of one of the hottest educational models out there right now. Here's what I want you to do. And this will blow your mind. Go to general assembly.ly. Now you can just Google general assembly and we're not talking about some political organization. We're talking about a couple guys who started an academic and educational process just about a year ago and it has exploded. Now what they're doing, they've created, they've created really a campus at this point for technology design and entrepreneurship. Now this is not a degree granting college. Now it addresses what you're talking about. There's a lot of things that people get in academic degrees out there and there are a lot of gaps in that in the areas that you have already described, goal setting, self-discovery, self-discipline, accountability, communication skills, leadership balance. I mean, those are great areas. And those are areas where people out here in the real world recognize, yeah, they don't have a clue in those things. So if you want to be in sales, learn how to sell well, learn the personal selling skills through things like Dale Carnegie, the importance of a smile, a firm handshake, good eye contact, you know, touching something, somebody lightly on the arm when you're talking to them, I mean, increases sales dramatically. I mean, those are the kind of things not being taught in schools, but you can do that. Now these, these guys with general assembly, I love what they're doing. There was an article in, let me think a minute. It was in this month's issue of fast company. It's the one with Martin Scorsese on the cover, but in fast company, and they talked about this general assembly. It's not a degree granting college. It's not a high school. It's not a trade school. It's something new. It's called augmented education. It's a stopgap for the startup economy. It's an intermediary that gives the post collegiate crowd real world skills. They didn't get at their alma mater exposure to the way business is done on the ground. The school focuses on technology and entrepreneurship. Um, They have classes that are three hour classes and you're finished. Others are weekend workshops. They do offer some certificates, but these are not certificates that are going to be recognized anywhere. I mean, it's not like a bachelor's degree or a master's or a PhD or a JD or a DDS or any of those that we're familiar with. These are just certificates. Now the question then becomes, does this really is this really going to be seen as valuable when you go out there in the workforce? Well, if you are convinced that personal development is going to give you better options, then these are the very kind of things that you ought to be exploring. 
mean, if you think that going to college is just so you get a piece of paper, so somebody's going to feel obligated to give you a job, you know, then fine. Lots of luck with that plan. But if you really understand that getting a degree of any kind, the real value is the personal development that takes place. Then it opens a door to personal development that can take place in a whole wide variety of situations. So you can go to a weekend seminar, you can go to a work, a week long workshop, or you can go to a three day event. I mean, you can go to anything that you want to and recognize that out of that, it's going to make you a different person. You're going to be more marketable, more knowledgeable. I love this concept. I, I love what you're doing. Is, is this a, a sustainable business idea, Travis? Absolutely. I love what you're doing. But now what you're going to find, if you research General Assembly, you're going to figure out there's a whole lot of organizations that are doing exactly what you're describing that are already in place out there. And then these are places where companies like General Electric are sending a hundred of their top executives through a three week program at general assembly. This thing that's been put together by a couple young kids teaching real life works, workplace skills. So it's getting instant credibility from major companies. And they're saying, yeah, our people lack these things that you're identifying. They don't know proper etiquette when they go to lunch with somebody from Japan. I mean, how can we get somebody to teach them these real world world skills? So yeah, you're really onto something great here. Now, the thing you have to realize though, is you're not the first one to think about it or the first one to offer it. Do your due diligence to figure out who already is doing this, what their success has been. You may discover that you want to just jump on board with somebody who's already doing this. And that would be an easy way to get started rather than having to recreate something from the ground up. Great question. Thanks for your question. Well, Hey, this is Dan Miller. You're listening to 48 days online radio. If you got a question you want to shoot in, I'd be happy to entertain it. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see there that you can submit it right there. Or you can just shoot an email to me directly at askdan at 48days.com. I'm going to have time for one more. Let me grab one here. Okay, let me, let me do this. This is interesting. Thanks so much for, this comes from Scott, Pennsylvania. Thanks so much for posting the Venn diagram describing your business model. I put that on our useful resources or 48 days worksheets. If you just go to the helpful resources, click on the worksheets. I put the Venn diagram showing my business model for 48 days on there. While I was analyzing it, I was listening to the good to great segment of the last podcast. I'm wondering what is that one thing you consider you yourself do better than perhaps anyone else on the planet? Would it be writing as shown in the center of your diagram? If not, what is that one thing? And how does it relate to what is shown in the diagram? Thanks for your continuing inspiration. Kelly, thanks for your question, Scott. Now I have writing in the center there and I talk about find what you're passionate about, decide what it is you do with excellence, perhaps better than anybody else. And then number three, the third leg in the stool, what's your economic model? How are you going to make that generate income? Yes, I very much believe in that. Do I believe that my writing is my passion? Yes, absolutely. Do I believe that my writing is something that I do better than anybody else in the world? No. Now that may sound like I'm going back on that. No, absolutely not. There are a whole lot of people out there that write really, really well. And I'm sure there are people that write better than I, but I have carved out a very nice niche 
in being the go-to guy for writing about combining profitable work with doing something you love. That has served me very well. I mean, that is what I do really well. And yes, I'll make claims for doing that, showing people how to do that very well. So, and and I hope that's encouraging to show you, you, anybody who is listening about how you can take something. You don't have to be the best house builder in the world, but what is it that you do in your home building that makes you really unique, that makes people gravitate to you and want to do business with you? I mean, if you're a pastor, and there's a whole lot of pastors out there. You're going to be just call yourself the best one in the world. Well, that would be probably pretty arrogant, but there ought to be something you do that sets you apart, that makes people drawn to you. What is that? Define what that is. That's exactly how you separate yourself from the pack and how you can experience extraordinary success. Well, we have been taking care of business. Dan Miller here. Thanks for being part of this audience. This is, this is one of the highlights of my week. I love sitting down and answering the questions you all submit. Keep them coming in. I value that. Get involved in the 48days.net community if you aren't already, and continue to be committed to finding or creating work that is fulfilling, meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week.